0: So when I was in high school, I got to be a part of a group, uh, a cinema group at my high school. My drama teacher was a SAG member, which was a Screen Actors Guild member. And so he used to get all these invitations to go see these new movies at the studios where some of them were made, or at least they produced them. And at that time, when I was in school, I remember I got to go see Braveheart at Paramount Studios with, I think Mel Gibson was walking around, I never caught a glimpse of him, but uh, but there were all the people there, a lot of the key grips, and those people behind the scenes that make the movies that you don't really see, the unsung heroes, like our our guys back there, unsung heroes that make things happen, appreciate them so much. And that's what what was there, and so it was just this huge, it was amazing. I mean, if you've never been to Paramount Studios in Burbank, in their theater, which holds like 2,000 people, I mean, it's massive, with this old school screen, and it's just really cool. And I remember, I went and saw this movie with our group, and it changed my life. I, it literally changed my life. Um, and I'd like to say it changed it for the better, but it didn't. Um, at that time, I remember writing back after seeing this epic movie, and, and, and any good movie, any good story should make us think. It, sh- it should make us probe our lives and, and become introspective. And I, I think the best thing about a good movie is you're just quiet afterwards. You really, all you can say is, that was amazing. But you don't know why sometimes and you just have to think about it and 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 figure it out and as i was driving back uh, with 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 my um drama teacher and all the group that we were with i just was i was pumped but i remember thinking i want to live an epic adventure i want to live a story that's that that not necessarily you see on the screen but that i would seize the day like in that movie, like in that, what William Wallace was telling him to do, to seize that day, like today, live. You don't want to, you know, die sometime later and never think that you actually seized that moment and and lived for today. Um, and, and I just remember thinking, like at that time I was really struggling because I had been kind of born and raised in the church and all these things were going on around me where my friends were starting to do these things and, and the church was going this way and, and I was going this way and... And I sort of just decided that day that I was going to try to live an adventure instead of the boring thing that I was getting at church. Um, But see, I was mixed up. And that's the main reason. I I really didn't understand church. So in that day, as I I decided to walk away from church, I really was walking away from an idea of church. Do, do, Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, very much this happens in life. I think we walk away from the God we think we know. We really don't know the real God that that knows us. And sometimes we walk away from those things that really aren't what God would have for us, but we think that's God's way or that's God's thing. And we put it to the side and go, that's boring. And and as a youth pastor, I talked to so many kids that were, honestly, the reason they got into drugs or or, or they get into the things that they would get into is because they were bored. They were bored. And I'm talking about church kids. I'm talking about elders' kids. I'm talking about people that know better in families that were quote-unquote good families, but they were bored because they had this idea of what church was and it really isn't. And that was me. That was me at that time. The amen and hallelujahs of a Sunday and the living for me and doing what I wanted till I felt guilty next week type of church. They I'll try as hard as possible not to do this anymore because it's bad or to do my darndest to not look at that again until I did that and felt guilty and had to start the haven't blown it in how many days checkbox. You know when you go to a a, a distribution center or a workplace, they have that big sign on, on, on the thing that says so many days without an accident. So many days without an incident. And to some extent, that becomes church to a lot of people. How many days before I really blew it? It's been 122 days and then the next day you come back and you hang your head and you... Zero days until my last sinful episode. And and that's not church. That's not what God has for us, sin management. And one day out of the week that we go to and are a part of and try to reconcile the rest of our life, the other six days to that one day. See, I desperately wanted to live an epic adventure. Just like we all do. We're created for relational story. I think that's why movies are so awesome today for most people. I mean, most people can really identify with this two hours worth of epic tale because they're like, I want to be a part of that. You see this with little kids, right? They go see a movie and they come out and they are that superhero. (laughs) They run running on the Superman or the Karate Kid or whatever it is and they, they identify with it. And we do this as we get older. You know, I, I, meet, I meet older people and they're superheroes, but their superhero job is an accountant. Who are? Hey, how are you? I'm an accountant. No, I didn't ask who you, what you did, but that's what we do, right? Or, or, or no, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. I do this, I do that, and we identify with these things to make our story bigger. And, and a lot of us are missing the real idea of Christ's body on earth and the church and that epic adventure that God is calling us to. I know I missed it. I missed it for too long. And so today, I want to bring you into a concept, I want to bring you into a new idea that we get through Ephesians chapter 3 of what church really is. Amen? So come with me and we'll do that, alright? Sounds good? Let's stand up and let's read Ephesians chapter 3. I've got a big old chunk here for us to look at. Some good stuff. And if you're a part of a grow group, the, the, the cool thing about that right now is we have an opportunity to go through this scripture in our grow group through the week and look at it more intensely, and talk about the things that maybe, maybe we're looking at over the course of the week as we go through this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 says this, when I think of all of this, that idea of rising to purpose that we talked about the last couple of weeks, rising to purpose, rising to life, rising to this idea of what God is doing, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefits of you, everyone else, Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God, gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you, everyone else, Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read when I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to the previous generations, but now by His Spirit, He has revealed it to His holy apostles and prophets, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God the creator of all things had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all unseen rulers and all authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. And because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently in Christ's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you so you should feel honored. When I think of all this I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father the Creator of heaven and earth I pray that from His glorious riches unlimited resources He will empower you with the inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts and you trust Him. Your, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong and may you have the power to understand as all god's people should how wide how long how high and how deep his love truly is may you experience the love of christ though it is not though it is too great to understand fully then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from god amen amen all right you may be seated see see this this is awesome it, paul has this tendency to just get carried away and i love it Because grace should carry us away. The grace of a God so much more perfect. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Who He is is so vastly different from us as He is holy and we are not. And yet invites us into this. And next week we're going to start a whole new series back in Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7 as we look at the Sermon on the Mount in 12 weeks. And it's simple. Love came down. Love came down. I love this, that that you have Paul who met this love, ultimate love, in the form of Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son. And he invites Paul into something, into this epic adventure, this glorious plan. Anybody ever watched the A-Team back in the day? That, by the way, that show was created so that the government could get rid of all these old cars. (laughs) Because <laughs> every week, they destroyed a good three to five cars. All these old clunkers, they just got rid of them. They rolled them, they, they destroyed them. It was hilarious. I love that show, just to see a junker car get destroyed again. But Hannibal was my favorite character. Why? Because he would sit there and he would develop the plan, right? And then at the end, he'd be smoking his stogie and he'd say, I love it when a plan comes together. You know, I just love it when a plan comes together. We love it. When a plan comes together and we have this, Oh, that's the point. That's what's going on. Awesome! I'm a part of something. And and for two hours when we go to the movies, we're a part of something. Oh, I get it. I get it. And here Paul is saying, God gets it. He, He really has it. And He's invited us to be a part of it. And so, we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in perfect unity, all love, all truth, all together in this... Beautiful communion and it's overflowing. They don't need me and you. They, they just don't. They're perfect in themselves and all of their creation. They are complete, totally complete. Ahad, one of complete in fullness and holiness as the Jewish word is. And it's so awesome because honestly, they don't need anything and they didn't create you and me so they can go oh good now they can love me and i'll i'll be better <laughs> if i can just get a couple more people to love me then i'll be a couple more likes on my facebook page and i'll be complete says god no no they 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 created us out of the overflowing of this love and completeness that they had and said you are my image bearers you are 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 something i can just love from the outpouring of who i am as god the father god the son and god the holy spirit to live and act as it is in heaven. See, Jesus prayed this. I love this, this prayer. And we're going to be looking at this in the next couple of weeks as we go through the Sermon on, on the Mount. But Jesus prayed and taught others to pray this way. He says, He says, you know, to, as it is on, in heaven, so it will be on earth. That's the partnership that we have. That is the plan, to collectively live this communion of our God through community. To collectively live this communion of God through our community. You see, if you look at the prayer of Jesus, there is no I. There is only we. There is no me. It's us. It's our. He says, pray for our daily bread. Wait, wait, wait. Last time I checked, I think I'm sane. And I'm not talking to other people in my head. Because if I came to you and said, "Uh, so we were talking, and you're like, who's we? You know, we, us. You're like, okay, this guy needs some, uh, he's got some issues. (laughs) You don't do that. But Jesus says, you pray as a community. It's not just me. It's us. And so God, in his image, creates us to collectively live this communion through community, which overflows to our world. You see, on Thursday night, when we went to market night, it wasn't just about me, it's about us. When I go to Starbucks, it's not just about me. I like it to be about me. But it's about us. When I go home, and I've had a bad day, oh wait, I'm going home to us. You see? This is the glorious plan that God had from the get-go to create us in His image to overpour from Him to us so that we overpour to this world that's so broken and about me, myself, and I. See, a gospel that only saves you for heaven and doesn't impact the world around you is not God's gospel. Let me say that again. A gospel that only saves you for heaven and doesn't impact the world around you is not God's gospel. Another way to put it is, if you're writing notes, a future truth with no present transformation to the world around it is not God's church. That's not the church that Jesus died for. He didn't say, it's finished, now my people can have fire insurance. You see, a gospel that says, there's hope in the future. Don't worry about today because you don't need to do anything. Just die and eventually you'll get somewhere nice and pretty. That's not, that's not what Jesus died for. He said, my kingdom, my kingdom. And I love that, but it's hard. A good way to understand this would be to look at the phrase that we commonly use and I use it all the time and I have to correct myself all the time. And this is a phrase that unfortunately is hard to get away from. But the phrase goes something like this. It's four little words and it's very simple. It says this, I go to church. That's a diabolic phrase. When you really understand the scripture, and believe me, I use this phrase all the time. Where are you going? I'm going to church. That's not biblical. To say that I go to church is not biblical. You see, if you would have approached Apostle Paul back in the day as he's preaching this good news and you were saying, Paul, this is awesome. Where do you go to church? He would have looked at you and said, Say, What? Where do I, where, 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 where do I go to church? With, those words don't make sense in that context. What are you talking about? You haven't been reading what I'm writing. You haven't been reading what, what, what and by the way, I think Paul in heaven, when we talk to him, that we've been reading his letters, he's gonna be like, what? God did that through me? Awesome! He's probably gonna do a couple fist bumps, you know? Holy fist bumps, right? But if you would have approached Paul and said, Paul, seriously! Where do we go to church? He would have been like, you're crazy! You're crazy! You see, because he would have said, no, you don't go to church. I am the church. And if you're in Christ Jesus, you're the church. The church is not these walls. The church is not this floor. The church isn't the beautiful doors and the the lights and the electricity. It's you. It's me. And in Christ, we are the body. Christ is the head. We are the body. And where you go is the church. And what we have done is we've taken this awesome mystery, that this epic adventure that God has unveiled, and diabolically we've made it into a one-day event. And it was meant to be so much more. It wasn't meant to be something we do. See, church was never meant to be something we do. It was meant to be who we are. You see, this is a problem. Let me just say again, I've met so many people, and and, and what we'll do is we'll talk about what we do. This is a place I go. This is something I do. You know how easy it is to walk away from something you do? You see, this is the problem they're finding in kids today. All the studies they do, they go, they, they do church from the time they're little and they go to VBS and they go to church and then they, they hang out and then everything else, but then all of a sudden they go to college and two weeks later they're completely off the deep end. Because it was something they did. It's not something they are. Do you see how diabolic this can become? The other way to look at it, to define this, is really simple. Think about the family you grew up in. Your family wasn't something you just did. It was who you are. Right? And and to some of us, that could be a really good thing. But to most people, they grew up in in a human family where it wasn't perfect. And who you are today is a product of what you came through yesterday. And some of us have come from broken families, so who you are is broken. Do you get it? And Jesus very much, when he's laying this out, and the mystery of Christ is, this isn't something you do, this is something you are, should be so much more powerful. And you can't walk away from that. This isn't something you go to on a Sunday, and then six days a week you go somewhere else. This is something that you come to and gather and remember, this is who I am at work this is who I am at home this is who I am wherever I go the work of Christ is not something we do it is something that we are and I've seen so many people confused and muddled with the do's and the R's this is why the number one selling books today are self-help books I've been there many times I still get there what do I need to do so that I'm better What do I need to do so that I can be? And we've got the cart before the horse. You see, the Bible sets up so many times, this is who you are, now go do. And what we want to do is do, which becomes the are. So what do I need to do to get God's attention? What do I need to be in, in my daily routine so that I can be the R? And Paul would have slapped you upside the holy head and said, you are, brother. When we realize we are, then Jesus does. See, it's it's truly as simple as allowing God's love to us and then through us. You want to transform the world around you in Christ, then recognize that you are His body, His church, in your family, in your workplace, and where you are at. You see, at the time when Paul was writing this, he is in prison. Now, it's not the same prison. It wasn't the really bad prison. It was like home prison. But this home prison, they didn't have little anklets that we, we send brothers out in today, right? No, this, this is, the, this is the, the, the anklet that's attached to a Praetorian guard. So 24 hours a day, Paul is in this house and he is chained to, in these shifts, this guy who has a sword... He's dressed very nice in Roman Praetorian garb. Think 300, you know, think these movies you see where you see these crazy cats and and, it looks like skirts, but you didn't want to say it was a skirt in front of them because they would kill you on the spot. These were Praetorian guards who were, they were like royalty, You see, you just didn't become a Praetorian guard. If you were a a street rat in in the middle of the bazaar, and one day you're like, I want to be in the Roman army and I want to be a Praetorian guard. No, that didn't happen. You had to be royalty. You had to be a child of Caesar or someone to that extent to be that. And at that time, by the way, Caesar or Caesar was Nero. You guys ever heard about that guy? Oh, Nero. (laughs) He was certifiably insane. This guy was nuts. Nuts there's a lot of speculation that he started the fire of rome that burned down half of rome because he wanted to make some extra room and then he blamed it on the christians but the thing that nero would do is he just loved to torture people he just loved to torture people and and the christians were easy targets because you could you, they wouldn't fight back they believed in loving the enemies so they were kind of easy targets and and what he would do is he'd put christians hundreds of them up on crosses that would lie in his driveway or chariot way that, that was miles and miles long up to his palace. And, and what would happen is he'd have these grand parties. But, you know, it gets dark in the ancient world and you've got to have lights. So he would dip these brothers and sisters in the Lord in wax and then he would crucify them. And then at night time he would light them on fire while they were still alive. And they would light the way to his palace. Because who's in charge? Kaiser? Don't stand in front of him. And so Paul is chained to possibly a relative of this guy. Could Paul go to church? No. You don't hear him moaning about not being able to go to church. What you see in Paul is a brother who is church, bringing it to who he's chained to. And even though he's chained, even though his circumstances are really bad, and he's awaiting to meet this guy that he knows is crazy, he's church. See, I guess my question is really simple. Who are you chained to in your life? Because we're all chained. See, Paul talks about this. He says either you're a slave to God or you're a slave to sin. But you're a slave. Like, we're all slaves. Some of you have credit cards. You know what I'm talking about. You're a slave. You're a slave to work. You're a slave to family. I mean, that, that is what you are. There is no one that's totally free. We're a slave to food. We're a slave to water. We're a slave to life. We have to breathe. You can't just stop. If you do, you're dead. Then you're no longer a slave. Maybe. <laughs> but the point is, you're a slave. And, 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 and you're chained to somebody. And you're chained to something. And so was Paul. But if your idea is what you do, then you're stuck. But if your idea is who you are and what Christ is doing and you are the church, you are the body, then you are never truly chained. Amen? Because Christ is in you and you are the church. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you, whoever Paul was chained to, they got an earful. I, I love Paul because tradition tells us that all these people that he was chained to were like the royalty and guess what? In a couple hundred years all this royalty as they were becoming Christians and a lot of tradition tells us that it probably started with Paul as he was chained to some of these great great grandfathers that they became Christians and that's why you have Constantine in, in the 300's and, and Rome became a Christian nation quote unquote. Because Paul didn't go to church he was the church. Who are you chained to? What are you chained to? Will you be the church to those people and places that you were chained to like Paul? See, if we were to put it simply, as his church, we were meant to be a conduit for his power on earth. We were meant to be a conduit of His power on Earth, and, and some of you know what I'm talking about because some conduits are way too small, and we can't. You know, if, if you plug in, uh, uh, I was talking with Pete, and he was trying to run a bouncer at his house, and it was kind of funny because it kept cutting out with power, and the bouncer would get down because the conduits just weren't big enough to run the type of power he needed. Did you know you're, there's no Plan B for God's conduit to this Earth? The church is it, and God doesn't have mistakes in his plans because he loves it when a plan comes together and let me say his plans never falter his word goes out and is never void and you are it and you have what you need as the church to be the conduit and the power of Christ that raised him from the dead amen we are the conduit of Christ we are for His power on earth. Look at this, in verse 14, he says, when I think of all this, he's just like, man, this blows my ever-loving mind. I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. And this is the idea of the Jew when he fell to his knees. It was a complete, like, face on the ground. If, if you were on your knees, your nose was touching the ground, and you were just prostrate, saying, I am so humbled. The Creator of heaven, of everything on earth, I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. And by the way, that you is plural. You all. This isn't you personally. This is you all. This is the church. He's talking to the church. He's talking to Jew and Gentile, black, white, slave, free, rich, poor, man, woman. It's everybody. You all. You all. And some of you, you're like me. You just, I can't do it. Exactly. But God, in His conduit to us, can. The truth is, that's the same power. But we don't step up and be the church. Because this is one of the number one problems. And this is I, I say this, please don't hate me for this, because I know this is one of those things that it might be a sacred crowd, but church is not a solo thing either. Church is not a solo thing. Remember, this letter is to the Ephesians. Many people were once enemies. You have an owner of a slave, and you have a slave. Do you think they looked at each other a little bad? Do you think there might have been tension? Oh, I had an owner once. He took my wife away from me. Whoa! Anybody there? No, probably not. We're talking serious strife. We're talking serious need for God's power of reconciliation and truth. People who were once divided culture, culturally, ethnically, economically, are now taking communion together in community. This is what blew people away. And in John chapter 17, we have this mandate from Jesus who's praying for you and me. And he says, by their love for each other, by their unity that they have with each other, even though they were once enemies, by this truth, my God is revealed. God is made true and known by the connection and community that we have with each other through the communion that we have in Christ. This is church. The great mystery of God's glorious grace is that it is for all people and all people to now live it out together. Not in a building, but in you. I want you to get an image in your head. If it helps, close your eyes. Sometimes this helps me. I'll do it just so that you don't feel uncomfortable closing your eyes in public. Okay, so I've got my eyes closed too and and this is what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the runners out there right now. And if I were to go join them and I'm running, I have a great idea where I say, you know what, I'm going to go running, I'm going to run this marathon, and here I go, but first tie my two legs together so I can't use one of my legs. How's that going to (laughs) look? It's going to look hilarious, right? And and, and for a minute you're going to be like, boy, that... What is wrong with that guy? And you're going to snicker a little bit, but then you're going to be like, is he serious? Maybe he's got something wrong up here. He's trying to run on one leg and he's got a good leg right there. How, how many people in the church are trying to run on one leg? You see, if the church is who we are, and the church is a community that God has saved us to, why is it we try to do it by ourselves? More than anything else, Paul illuminates that this is the body and, and Christ is the head and you can't say to one part of the body, I don't need you. That doesn't happen. And when he says, I have given the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the body, we try to say, oh, I don't need that person because I don't need that gift. Oh, yes, you do. We need each other. And you cannot be the God, God's conduit of power if you decide that certain body parts don't matter. See, battling with depression and isolation, praying to God to help, but never embracing the community, the church, for the power that God wants to give you through it. Struggling with addictions to pills, alcohol, pornography, etc. But all the while suffering in silence and never stepping to the church community because it's solo. So you don't have the power of God's conduit on earth. Your family is a battlefield, but no one would ever know because outside the home, you just don't bring it up and especially a church no we as the church want to release God's power in your life so what now how do we start living the truth the power that God has given us i mean there's simple things here but i want to i want to challenge you in this because again this isn't solo we need to pray as one church we need to pray See, when I think of this, Paul gets to the point, and it's like, when I think of this, I go and develop a core team where we can figure out exactly what we're going to do to reach the world. No, he doesn't say that. Uh, I go and make all these plans, and I do this. No, he doesn't say that. I go out and try to get all the money I can so we can start influencing. No, he doesn't say that. What does he say? His first and initial response and ultimate thing that is going to really make the difference is pray. I fall to my knees, and I pray. I pray. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth, Paul was in chains, but he was flying. One of the best things that I I get to be a part of here as as a pastor is I get to tell people, just go pray. And it's easy for me to say, it's harder for me to do sometimes with my schedule. I get to be a part of a prayer group at the Blessing Center on Thursday. They came to the church this Thursday. It was really cool. We had a prayer meeting and we had it right here. We all sat right here. And it was cool because there was black people and white people and, and old people and young people and we were all just praying. We were praying for you. And we were praying for people out there. And we were praying for finances. And we were praying for the homeless. And we were praying for... The bottom line, we were praying. And I'll tell you, there's nothing more freeing than saying, oh my gosh. And let me just say, I experienced this. When I used to close my eyes before when I would pray, sometimes, you know, if you'll see me, sometimes I'm holding my hands out. I felt like my hands were a thousand pounds. I don't know why. I just kept this feeling in my head. It was like, like I was holding two concrete blocks and I would open my eyes. I would literally open my eyes going, uh, is there something in my hand? Because I felt just this weight, this huge weight. I, it's cuckoo. I mean, even when I was a kid, I had this huge weight. I would wake up because I would, you know, one of the, you know, we have people have dreams where they're falling and you wake up. I used to have dreams where I would look down and my hands were 18,000 times bigger than they, you know, I'd look down and my hand was the size of like Cincinnati. I'd be like, oh, and I'd wake up. It was really weird. I always had those. And they would weigh a ton. Like, oh my gosh. And I would bring this into prayer. And I'll tell you, that recently, I haven't had that. Because as I've been meeting, as I've been just praying and giving my hand saying, Lord, all this is yours. And I thank you. It's not mine. It's you. It's you. It's me. It's all of us together. I don't have to carry this. You don't have to carry it. Prayer does that. Prayer Embraces each other. It's the idea of Moses and his hands are getting tired. And Aaron and the other cat, they get up there and they hold each other's arm. They hold his arms up. That's what prayer is. And it's giving our time to God together. Are you praying? Are you making the church's requests known to God? In your finances, are you praying? In your marriage, are you praying? In your relationships, are you praying? Before you're going to school, are you praying? Before you're going to work, are you praying? Before you walk in the door after a hard day, are you praying? Because I'm praying for you guys, and I want to enter into this prayer. And we need to be praying for each other. And nothing does my heart better as when someone calls me and says, Can you pray for me? Can you come and pray for me? Can you anoint me with oil? Can you help me? I need prayer. And I say, Amen. That's what the church is. Let's be the church. You see, Jesus turned over temples, or turned over tables at the temple. Why? Because he's in the court of Gentiles. And what have they done? They've taken the court of Gentiles where everybody was, and they've made it into a show and he turns over the tables and what does he say he says this is an affrontery to God this is horrible because what you've done is you've made this place into a den of thieves and what is this place supposed to be a place of prayer my house will be a place of prayer where does God reside in his church in his temple you are a temple of the Holy Spirit you are to be a house of prayer so what's getting in the way Please reprioritize. We have a prayer group. We have people afterwards that stick around. And if you need prayer, that's what we're here for. We have guys to pray for guys, girls to pray for girls. That's what it's about. We want to pray for you. If you have a request, make it known. Lastly, we need to proclaim Jesus as one church. See, then Christ, verse 17, will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him see, trust is not a mental thing. It's a who you are thing. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. One of the most interesting thing is I've got a lot of friends, and I'm not a really big gardener, but I know one thing. It's in the roots. And I've got a lot of friends coming to me saying, you know what? This tree used to be good, but it's no longer producing good fruit. The answer is so simple, sometimes it hurts me, and I had to look it up. I was like, really? That's all it is? You just need to get nutrients to the roots. When the roots have good nutrients, or nutrients from the sun, water, sun, it all gets to the roots. When they're good, your fruit's good. You see, when Paul's saying this, he's in an agricultural society. He's in an agrarian society that gets this. Oh, you mean, I just need to get my roots into Jesus? That's it? And then everything that comes out will be a proclamation. This isn't a soapbox. This isn't something we get up, I can't be you, pastor. I can't get up on the here and talk to people. That's not what he's saying. See, proclaiming Christ is as simple as when you go to Starbucks saying, God, there's people in here. Who can I love? I'm at work today, Jesus. But I'm the church. Who needs your love? You see, I'm at school today and I'm really concerned about that test and I really want to take this test and I want to be... but. First and foremost, I'm your church. By the way, you're praying. That's prayer. You're just talking to God. And now you're saying, I want to proclaim you. Who do I love? Who do I help? Who do I treat as an image bearer of Christ? Everybody's important. This would change our world. So simple. But who does it You see, we need to reprioritize. It's that simple. I want you to do me a favor. Just close your eyes, bow your heads, because this is it. And sometimes, I I mean, I looked at this and I went, no, there's got to be more. (laughs) But can I say there's not? It's this simple. Anybody can do it. Most of us are so busy, we forget that we are the church. And that God... Has all power to flow through us to accomplish his purpose. If you're struggling, don't struggle alone. This isn't a place you come to, church is who you are. We are a community. Faith is not a noun, it's a verb. And we want to walk with you. We want to talk with you. We want to grow in faith together. Please. If you walk away from here thinking one day I'll get free, you've missed it. That's why we have people to pray for you. And when you go out today, as you go to work, as you go home, you are bringing church to the people you were chained with. Who are you chained with? I know I'm chained with my family. I gladly wear that chain. It's not a ball and chain. It's a chain of love and I love my kids. I love my family. But I'm not always bringing church. Who are you bringing Christ to? That's my hope. That's the Lord's prayer. That's Paul's prayer. And that's our prayer as a church. Are you ready to pray and are you ready to proclaim to be the church that Jesus has has for this world? Lord, we thank you. We give our lives to you. I know that I don't always prioritize this. I know that when I come home, it's it's about what I have to do, it's about what I want, it's about this, it's about this and it's not, oh wait, you have a plan. Oh, your kingdom isn't always about my kingdom. I forget that. <laughs> and you want me to love. Which isn't always talking. In fact, with me, it's most of the time just shutting my mouth because I talk too much. <laughs> it's putting my arm around, it's doing the dishes, it's looking that person in the eye and saying, Thank you for what you do. And when I'm at work, it's cleaning the toilet. It's doing the acts of love that you've brought us here to do that proclaim we are not of this world, but strangers and visitors here with a bigger purpose and a bigger plan and an epic adventure that we can be a part of. The glorious mystery of Christ. Lord, help us to step up and rise up and accept the joy of being your church we just hand it back to you and this is, this is a, a cross we gladly bear this is a mountain we gladly climb with our hands open holding each other and living in community as you did here on earth and as you do in heaven Amen.